Welcome to Wasted Local Talent. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wasted Local Talent. I am Daniel, coming to you from quarantine. And I have one thing to say about this quarantine. If I go to the store one more time and they're out of peanut M&Ms, I'm going to start raiding people's houses because this is getting ridiculous. Uh, this week we have Jason from Vintage Theater Company, along with uh, Jed and Josiah did this interview. Jed actually showed up for once. This was recorded, obviously, before the quarantine started. Um, so we thank Jason for coming down and uh, being a part of the podcast while, uh, while we still could. But before we get to the episode, um, you might be able to hear the crickets in the background because I'm out in the country, you know, living under a rock. Um, check out all the podcasts. I know that being quarantined, um, you know, you have an unlimited amount of time. Most people, uh, we've got a few good podcasts that you could check out. We've got D and D kinda video game mythos gurus of gaming and the final girl podcast. Those are all under the 13 palm trees banner. So you can search for 13 palm trees on any podcast site and you'll be able to find it. So they'll pull them all up. Um, thanks to worst kept secret for letting us use Bender. As always, um, the best song that they've ever recorded, ever written, um, the best song that any of them will ever record or ever write. Um, but we do miss them. We miss Worst Kept Secret, and uh, we're sad to see them uh, not playing music together anymore. But Bender will live on through this podcast. Um, check us out on social media. We have Instagram at Wasted Local Talent, Twitter at Wasted Local. I think I don't use it. Um, I'm not good with Twitter, so it just sits there. I think our episodes get posted there. I'm not sure. Uh, Facebook at Wasted Local Talent. Um, we have a website that's 13palmtrees.com. You can find merch there. We have t-shirts. Um, all the other podcasts have some merch there as well. Um, and one last thing before we get to the episode, don't forget to check out 304 Offroad for all your side-by-side -side parts and accessory needs. From mild to wild builds, they have what you need. They're on Facebook, 304 Offroad, or browse their website at 304offroad.com. All right, now let's get to the episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. What's up, everybody? I'm Jed. I am Josiah. And this week, we're wasting our talent with... Jason Young. So, Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, well, first of all, guys, thank you so much for having me. This is cool. Uh, it's my, I think this is my first official podcast recording. So, yeah. so I glad, I'm glad I get to spend it with you guys. Are we well, official? Uh -huh. Is that? I think is we that are. How this works. Have I, we reached that? Point? I may have just made you official. Oh man, <laughs> we did make that top ten list. We well, yeah, that's fair. Okay, you made a top ten list. We did in the world. We did. Yeah. I mean, we like we don't like to brag about it, but there was like ten billion podcasts to speak to pick from, and we got number six local podcasts in the world. So, very cool. I know. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm from. Uh, I'm here in North Central West Virginia. Uh, I have a business called the Vintage Theater Company. I consider myself an entrepreneur, which is an entrepreneur Ooh. that works in the arts. I think ah. uh, you guys are welcome to use that as well. I like a good pun. Yeah, it's a good it's a good descriptor. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Southern West Virginia, but I've been here in North Central West Virginia the majority of my life. And the goal of my work, my life work, is just to find a way uh, to promote and work with great local artists and uh, try to make West Virginia a better place by doing that work. 
Cool. So, so how does that like? How does that whole scheme work? Right. <laughs> the scheme. Yeah. They would call it a scheme. Uh, so I opened VTC um, a few years ago. It was actually in the fall of 2012 when VTC opened, and the whole goal uh, was to find a way to unite uh, the very best teaching and performing artists that we had here in the state of West Virginia. Because I think that there is uh, a lot of really, really great talent in terms of teaching and performing artists, especially I'm talking theatrical, musical theater, uh, you know, singing, acting, things like that. I think there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of people that went to college for it. And then what happens is after that uh, you know, post-secondary education after college, there's not a lot of outlets for the opportunity to practice the thing that you spent your childhood and your college years sort of learning how to do. So there were a lot of artists uh, with a lot of stuff going on, but they were kind of scattered and there was no like really place for them to come together. And so the idea of VTC was that we would create this place uh, to bring them together. And as, a, as opposed to saying like, okay, we're going to open a theater company and we're going to do a, a full season of plays and it's going to be uh, three new American plays and two musicals and whatever. What we did was first we went out and found the artists, and then we got the artists together, and we said, what kind of work do you want to do? Um, and then we discovered that we started building these performance troops of people that were sort of like-minded about a, a specific type of art form, and then these troops were born, and then that's where the work came out of. That's really interesting because, like you said, once you get out of – college or for even a lot of us high school i know i played trumpet in middle school i was terrible at it but if i had aspired to do that and even went all the way through and marched with the wvu marching band for example what's what's after that there's ska band yeah you join us there's there's not very many places to go and i imagine it's that way in theater and in any kind of entertainment so it's it's cool that you're getting like-minded people together to do something that you enjoy doing, but there's just not really very many places to do that after you graduate. Right. I mean, it was, it was, it was a necessity of, okay, I either had to leave or I had to build the thing I wanted here. Um, and so the choice was stay here and, and try to build it and do it with the, with the talented people that were that we're here. Field of dream style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, I think that's a pretty common... Uh, um, if you build it, they will come. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a pretty common theme that we get from a lot of people well, on yeah. the show is that, you know, outside of very few things, it's like there's, you know, there's not much here. So you either leave somewhere else or you try to bring it here. Right. Yeah. I tell people all the time that one of my overarching goals in life is I'd really like to just leave... West Virginia, a better place than I found it, you know. And when we started VTC, I had no idea if it would work. I had no idea if people would like want to come on board and do the type of work because it's, you know, it's it's hard work for very very little pay, and it takes you away from your family and and things like that for certain periods of time. And so we're at the point now, you know, uh, working on eight years later, where I think that we may be building something that's going to outlive us, and so we have to start thinking about how how do we transition into that into that thing and maybe, you know, start moving on to other adventures and things. So it's, it's, we're at a cool, we're at a cool place right now. That quote you had about leaving West Virginia, a better place than you found it would be a perfect t-shirt idea where you just say, I want to leave West Virginia. And then like on the bottom says a better place than I found it. Cause a lot of people just want to leave West Virginia. They don't want to yeah. do the work yeah. to bring in what they want to do. So I don't know, t-shirt idea, anybody out there that can make t-shirts 
send them to me. But yeah, no, go ahead. Make the he, he t-shirt just, and send it to you? Stole that, he just stole that I, right No, no. Right. We, exactly. we'll, have, we'll put VTC He's on like, it. like, that's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> We're collaborating, bringing work together. So, so what all... Um, so I know that you like put on shows. Yeah. Uh, so you, I imagine you plan them, like you find the venues for them and everything. Um, do you also do any type of like um, like teaching for people who maybe have not ever been into it before but want to get into it? Uh, we, a lot of what, when the company first opened, it opened entirely as uh, education based. There was a, uh, I was working as a theater artist at a, at a high school uh, and uh, I was noticing that there were some kids who were really serious and they, they weren't getting an opportunity to sort of have uh, the high level instruction that, so these kids that were really serious, they were getting to, ready to go to these college auditions and they wanted to go audition for major colleges and try and get major scholarships. And, and what you realize is the kids that they're auditioning against to try and get into these schools, they're getting, they're in other places, bigger places that have, they have more access to a higher level of training, right? Mm -hmm. And so our kids in this area weren't getting that. So when the company first opened, it was all about that. It was about getting the best teaching artists together and trying to create an opportunity for these students who were serious about moving to the next level in the arts, the type of training and preparation that they would need to do that. And so education has always been the foundation of VTC. And then what we learned is, is all these people who were helping with the teaching were also interested in doing some performing. And then like, that's how the first performance troupe came about, which you've interviewed some of those guys. That's the fearless fools. Mm -hmm. They were our very first performance troupe, the comedy troupe, the fearless fools. And it was because we had a guy who was teaching improv classes and he, and we were having a meeting talking about how his classes were going. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to have an improv team. And I said, let's let's have an improv team. You know, uh, you talk about people who plan, and and then you talk about people. Sometimes, sometimes I tell people that I like to jump in the river and then build the boat while you're going downstream. <laughs> now, the older I get and the longer I do this, I can't do that as much. You know, there's like more planning and carefulness that goes there's into more it. water out there now too. You got to shovel out of the boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But at the beginning, when it was when we really had nothing to lose, uh, you know, he said, I'd, I'd like to have an improv team, and I said, well, let's have an improv team, and we. And we formed the fools, and they were the first the first group to come about, and 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 then the next group to come about was our Shakespeare troupe, um, and that came about because I had some friends who were really passionate about doing Shakespeare and and Shakespeare for high school kids because you have to read it, you know, and and um, and West Virginia at the time was one of two states in America that did not have a Shakespeare troupe or a Shakespeare festival. Hmm. We were just this sort of void for that type of work, and so we went, well, let's fix that. And then I, there was a group of people that came together that had studied vocal performance in college, like master's and doctor level degree singers, and they had nowhere to do it. And so I said, well, let's get you guys together and start and start doing some singing. And, and that's how it happened. It's about bringing the people together and letting them be, letting them say, this is what I'm passionate about. And then so, oh yeah, I'm passionate about, you know, and then that's where it springs up from. It's, it's more, it's more grassroots as opposed to like me at the top going, this is what we're going to do. You know, that's smart though. Cause I mean, if you had set out to create an improv team, just improv and improv team with nobody that wanted to do improv, then you might not have been successful. But you got a group of people together. They say, hey, we like improv. And you say, well, let's do it. And then same thing with Shakespeare. I, I'm i a fan of Shakespeare. I think, what is your favorite Shakespearean 
play. <laughs> whichever I, whichever one I'm working on at okay. the time uh, is my favorite because you have to live with it so much. I But I, I really do love The Tempest. I don't know how familiar you are with The Tempest, but uh, I like The Tempest because it's got romance and comedy and magic and betrayal and family issues. It's kind of one of those all-inclusive things. I think Hamlet was my favorite. And when I when I read it for like AP uh, English class or whatever it was, I remember reading it and just flat out not understanding it the first time. But I had an incredible teacher and she helped explain, okay, this is what this means. This is what this means. And it, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a Shakespeare expert by any means, but it's the main problem that people have with Shakespeare is they don't understand it. But sure. once you understand it, the stories are compelling and just deeper than you can even imagine. So I think that's why Hamlet is probably my favorite, just going through that class and realizing, oh, this this is what this actually means and just all the angles that you can look at it from. Well, that's one of the that's the primary mission of our Shakespeare troupe. The Shakespeare troupe we have is called the Rustic Mechanicals. And their primary mission, uh, because there are so many people in the state of West Virginia who have never seen Shakespeare before, and so their only experience with it is reading it in a high school classroom. And many of them probably didn't have the, the level of teacher that you had that was able to help them explain it. So our primary mission is to try and make uh, Shakespeare accessible to a modern audience because we believe, like you just said, that there there are universal themes in every Shakespeare play that are that they're just truths about life that he was writing about 400 years ago that are still truths about life today. And our goal is to try and highlight those universal themes and bring them to life for students and, and the general public so that they don't go through their entire life thinking that Shakespeare was just a guy that I had to read his plays sitting at a desk in yeah. a high school. Yeah. I think I, I really want to see, excuse me, I um, I always loved plays growing up. Like I would always go to all the school plays. Like they were just, ah, oh, man. But I've never gone to one that was put on by adults. Hmm. So like I've always wanted to go to one. And uh, my wife has actually talked about like trying to take as like a present for me or something like go to Pittsburgh and go see a show or something like that. But so you guys, I imagine you guys perform like locally, right? We do. We we are a uh, we're a statewide company. We will go anywhere in the state of West Virginia. We'll also go over the borders of West Virginia if people will have us. But uh, our goal is is to support the state. Um, and yeah, we perform all over North Central West Virginia and then all over the state as well. Do you guys have anything upcoming? Uh, the first Shakespeare tour of the year. So you want to see a play. So the first play we're doing uh, is our first Shakespeare tour of the year is coming up at the first week. It will. It's we tour during the month of April. Mm -hmm. So the first weekend is when it'll open. The first weekend of April, like the second and the third. Actually, we'll be at Fairmont State on April the second. I think whatever that Thursday is, the first weekend, and we're doing Antony and Cleopatra, which is one of his lesser known works. Uh, but we're last fall our final tour of 2019 was Julius. Caesar, uh, which has Mark Antony in it, you know, the famous Friends Romans Countryman speech. So it's the same character, just fast forward in his life in Antony and Cleopatra, which is a true story. Mm -hmm. And so we're presenting it like a sequel and touring it in the spring. And the same actor who played Antony in our Julius Caesar is playing Antony in Antony and Cleopatra. So it's a direct sequel. It's like the Marvel Universe, only in our <laughs> Shakespeare world. Do you have any hammers that you are worthy of carrying? Uh, no, we don't have any hammers. There's a pearl necklace in Antony and Cleopatra, oh, okay. though. 
An actual pearl necklace. <laughs> so I'm sure you have a lot of people that you work with now, but this this was your brainchild from the beginning, right? Yeah, it was. It actually came out of me. Um, you know, I was working in uh, theater education, um, and I was directing youth. Uh, you know, I was directing high school musicals, and I was you know teaching, and I was trying to help kids get ready to go to college. And I was just noticing all these really talented people that I went to college with, or saw their work while I was in college, or might have been my professors in college. You know, and they just weren't they weren't working right. And I kept complaining and complaining and complaining and. Uh, there were some professional companies in the state that were doing things, and they were uh, what I call importing talent. You know, they'd bring people in from Pittsburgh and Columbus, and uh, I'll get into the other thought about that in a second. And I just kept complaining, and I said, you know, something's got to be done. Like we gotta, we gotta put Western artists to work because I don't want them to leave. You know, we have this out migration right now, and there's just so much talent that we are losing. Um, and so, part of this is trying to keep people that I think are really talented around here. Um, for the betterment of, you know, our culture and our life. And even the other thought I had in the middle of that sentence was like local TV commercials. Um, we've tried to make a real effort and connect with a lot of the people who are making uh, local TV commercials and convince them, and we've been very successful to convince them to put West Virginia actors in their local TV commercials because they were going to Pittsburgh and Columbus because that's where the talent agencies were. And it's easier to get talent you know, because they're organized and, and West Virginia talent wasn't organized. Right? right. So now I can sort of serve as a casting agent. And I do this all the time where like, I've got good friends that run, you know, different production companies and they'll send me a text or an email and they'll say, we need a 40 year old guy that could play this role. And I'll send them, you know, four or five people I know. And that way they're, they're not outsourcing the talent. Hmm. So the, the, I imagine it's a very rewarding feeling um, with, uh, like, especially the Fearless Fools. You know, the first time <laughs> that you saw, like, your idea produce a, a, a group of people who were all like-minded, talented individuals. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, uh, it's a little surreal, yeah. honestly. Um, what happens for me in terms of rewarding feelings is it, there's just a lot of there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of, uh, chaos sometimes. And there's a lot of concern and, and it's a lot of logistical work. When I, when I opened a theater company, I thought, yes, finally, uh, this is gonna be my life's work and I've got a theater company and I'm going to be making art, uh, for the rest of my life. And it's going to be awesome. And what I learned is what I actually do is do business <laughs> the majority of the time, you know, and then find time to make art because it's all that, you know, money and bills and scheduling and logistics and all of that stuff that you don't think about, right? And nobody tells you that this is what your life's going to be when you open a theater company. But then the payoffs are, uh, the payoffs are the moments where the artists, you know, where where you like what you said, where you see your artists come together and you see an audience come together and and something is born, something is creative. We were in the Fearless Fools were in Welch, West Virginia a couple Saturdays ago, like the last Saturday in January. And I don't know if you know where Welch is. It's in, it's in McDowell County. One of you is saying yes. The other is saying no. It's in, uh, Welch is in McDowell County. It's where it's, Steve Harvey's from. Yes, that's correct. Steve Harvey is from Welch. That yeah. doesn't really help me, but okay. Do you know who Steve Harvey is? I know who Steve Harvey is. It's, yeah. it's probably top five poorest counties in the entire yeah. 
country. Like yeah. it's oh, it's wow. pretty bad okay. there. Yeah, and it, there's a joke about Welch, and I don't, I, you know, I don't want to begrudge Welch because I love the place, but they call it the. It's in McDowell County, and a lot of people say the independent state of McDowell County. Like it's, <laughs> you go to Beckley and you turn south um, about an hour, and you end up in Welch, and it is. It's it's a county that has has been hit very hard by the the coal industry going under. It's been hit very hard by the opioid epidemic. Um, it's it's just a poor place, but it's full of amazing people. And anyway, the uh, the city. Uh, bought an old empty car dealership and turned it into a art center. They call it the Jack Caffrey, named it after a principal or an educator or something. And it's an art center and it still smells like a car dealership. Like you open the door and it has that like new rubber tire smell, which mm-hmm. was really cool. But anyway, they brought the fools down um, and they sold the place out. There was over a hundred people there in Welch, West Virginia. I think there's wow. 150 in the County. So it was, it was pretty incredible. <laughs> um, but the point of the story, going back to what, what you just said, was we were driving. I was three hours there, do a show. It was three hours home. It was like 1230 in the morning, and we were um, we were tired, and we were delirious. And Craig Snyder, who I know has been on this show, and he he's the, he's the leader of the Fearless Fools, he was sitting in the back seat, and we were riding home, and it was kind of a quiet moment. And Craig laughed, and he went, I, just, I can't believe we get paid to do this. And, and that. And that just warmed me um, because that that's what it's about, right? It's about uh, these people sort of realizing a, a dream. dream yeah. 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 So you have to sacrifice quite a bit then to uh, to allow other artistic people to be able to achieve what you wanted in the beginning, right? Yeah, you mentioned what 95% of the people that come in here mention and say, I started this venture and then... Oh shoot! This is actually a business, and I've got to do math and numbers and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, t- tell us about that journey. This is going to get like dark and serious, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I'm I'm 37 years old. I started VTC when I was like 30 years old, I guess. Um, about to turn 31, and and so I've given up the majority of my 30s uh, doing this thing where. Um, Every other artist that I work with is profiting and I'm not, (laughs) you know, and it's just the way it's the way it is. Right. Um, But they're also giving of themselves as well. I I don't want that to sound like I'm begrudging them at all because this is the goal. It's the point. It's what we're doing. But what you have to do is you have to you have to change the way you measure value. You know, you have to change the way you measure profit. Right. Like uh, I spend a lot of my life trying to make sure the bills are paid trying to make sure at the end of the month, the end of the quarter, the end of the year, there's more money in the bank than what I need to pay, you know, black versus red. Um, but I I read this thing on Facebook, and so I'll share this with you. I am also, what I'm getting may not be a monetary thing, you know, but what I'm getting is time, which is the thing, the one thing that you can't, you know, it's, it's more precious than gold time, right? I'm getting time to do the thing and create the thing and experience the thing that I want to do. Right. And that's what, that's the payment for the work is, is, is the time that I get to spend in my life doing this thing, right? There are a lot of people that are spending their time doing things for money that is not fulfilling them in other ways. Right. And there's going to come a point where 
you know, there's going to be a tipping point and there's the, the company's either going to get whatever or it's going to whatever. But, but right now, um, it's about just, just dragging out that time as long, as long as we can. So take me back to a young Mr. Young. A lot of people. Mr. Young. Yes. <laughs> so you are very interested in the arts. Yeah. What, how how was young Mr. Young? When did you first realize <coughs> oh, this me. is this is something that I enjoy? And then when did you realize, wait, this is something I actually want to do? Young Mr. Young was an athlete. Uh, I grew up playing every sport that I could possibly play. Um, except I I tried soccer one time and I just couldn't I couldn't get into it, so I didn't play a lot of soccer. But I played football and Good I played. Yeah, I played football. I, I played baseball. My real love was basketball, um, and so I was an athlete. And I, when I was in grade school, I sang in this in this choir in Bridgeport called the Chanticleer Children's Chorus, and that was really my performance outlet in grade school. But then that went away in middle school, and then in high school, I was an athlete uh, up until my senior year. I auditioned for a musical at my high school and uh, it was because a girl that I had a crush on uh, invited me to audition because we need boys, you know, the girls recruit the boys. And there was just something about musical theater that felt very natural to me. It felt very right to me. And I think what I cued into was the as- the storytelling aspect of the theater, right? Because I think we as Appalachians, especially you know my my family being from Southern West Virginia, uh, there is this ingrained storytelling uh, in all of us, right? That's what we do. We sit on front porches, or we sit, you know, we sit anywhere and we tell stories, right? And so, uh, like my dad is the best storyteller in in the world. Like if he if he wanted to tell you a story about the first time he. Uh, got to drive a certain car. He would start it with, it was December 1952. Yeah. I was wearing new blue jeans. Like, it was just, I mean, he's just a storyteller, right? That's how my dad tells every story. Right. Like, and we'll be 10 minutes into the story. I still won't know what the story is about, but he's got to build up to it. Exactly. And so there's this storytelling that's ingrained in all of us, and it's something that's very important to me, and it's something that I found in... Uh, in the theater, and then um, I uh, it just it just stuck. The very beginning of my senior year, it just all stuck for me. And then I decided to go to college and study it, and I got more into it and more into it. And I figured out that there really there's not a lot of other stuff that I was good at. You know, sometimes life is about figuring out what you're good at and figuring out what you're not good at. And I just didn't feel like there was a lot of other stuff that I was. Hold on one second, Daniel. Are you still listening? Yeah. Did you hear what he just said? You need to figure out what you're good at. <laughs> All right, go on. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's just there's not a lot of other stuff that I am uh, that I'm good at, and so and so I just thought, well, I got to figure out a way to 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 do this for the rest of my life, and that's. What was your first part in the your, the first play you were in? Oh, I was, was just about to ask that. It too. was Grease. It was Grease the Musical. I was wondering. I thought it was. It was my senior year at Bridgeport High School. It was Grease the Musical. It was the very first all school musical. So, Bridgeport has a, a rich tradition of theatrical productions, but they would do these things called senior plays. Uh, we started calling them senior showcases, but senior plays, and uh, that meant if you weren't a senior, you weren't allowed on stage. 
So then in the fall of 2000, which was the fall of my senior year, they decided to change that, and they were going to still do a senior play, but then they were going to also start doing what they call the all-school musical. So 9th through 12th grade was allowed on the stage. Well, it didn't really matter. I was the senior anyway. But that was the first show I auditioned for, and I played uh, Roger, which is one of the Burger Palace boys in the play. In the movie, they're the T-Birds. But in the play, they're the Burger Palace boys. And uh, Roger has a song called Mooning, where he sings, he yep, he sings to his his girl Jan, and it's a bunch of double entendres about showing his butt, but he's really talking about uh, how much he how much he adores her, and um, then he's in all the you know grease lightning, he's in all of that stuff, but that was my first that was my first role was Roger in Greece. Uh, Jed and I went to Bridgeport as well, and. Uh, I don't know if you were there for Will Rogers Follies, but I remember they put on that play, and that was my freshman year, I think. And I thought, wow, I actually enjoyed that. And mm-hmm. then Josh done... Aldacker played yeah, Will Rogers. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they they had Beauty and the Beast. They had Cats. They had they they outperform themselves every year. They do a very good job at, at Bridgeport. So I also did Grease, and I was also one of the greasers. Who? But I didn't have like a hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I didn't have like a part though outside of just being one of the gotcha the guys. Yeah, yeah. So you guys are younger than me, right? So because yeah. you came through yeah. Bridgeport during the Charlie Dillon years, then I graduated two thousand eight. Yeah, when they were doing uh, Les Mis and Cats yep. and all yep. that. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh man, Les Mis. Yeah, I remember all that. I loved stuff. that show. I I think they probably put on, like you said, they had the the two plays where they had the all school play. And then the senior play. And so I think I probably went to eight. It, yeah, because I, I think by the time that we were in high school, they would do a... Junior, senior? They would do a senior play, and then they would do the all-school play. Okay, yeah. Right, that started my senior yeah. year. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. because yeah, we got Les Mis and Cats were the two big all-school plays that I can remember. Then there was one that was about baseball. Damn Yankees. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember, I remember that. that stirred up controversy. Yeah. For whatever reason. Well, I remember that too. I, I remember a lot of this because I would be sent down there to help build set parts. And they say, can you nail a board together? So unfortunately, yes. <laughs> there I was, hammering a nail, screwing wood, chopping stuff. But, I mean, they got me out of class every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's my talent. Can't beat that, right? Yeah. So, so we shared that. I also did Grease. It's interesting with you know, three Bridgeport guys sitting around the table talking. You know, we, <laughs> we didn't identify it as oh, no. that before the uh, before we started recording. Yeah, and I I played soccer. You played everything else, and Jed was good at math. I think I wrestled. Oh, you did. That's right. I wrestled and I played a year of football. I for, see. Jed and I didn't really cross paths very much in high school. Unfortunately, he we did later in life. But <laughs> <laughs> here we are. We couldn't stay away. I know. We're stuck. Well, this got really sad. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about anything other than anything what we're talking o- yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about. So we talked about theater. We talked about Shakespeare. We've talked about improv. Uh, are you musically talented at all? Uh, I God, I wish I could play piano. That's one of the biggest regrets in my life that I didn't take my piano lessons seriously when I was a kid. 
but I, I do sing. I mean, I, I, I started singing when I was in grade school in the, in, in choirs and stuff, and then, uh, had to sing to be a part of Greece, uh, when I was in high school and then just kept taking voice lessons and stuff. And so I do, uh, I'm, I'm a vocalist. Yeah. That's my musical talent. Do you have, uh, is your company have any kind of vocal training or anything in that direction? Yeah, we have these two incredible voice teachers uh, at VTC, Joshua Stubbs and Sarah Nail. And they have uh, voice studios at VTC. And they are also the leaders of our smallest uh, performance troupe, which is called Montani Cantanti, which is Latin for Mountaineer Singers, you know, Montani coming from the state logo. And, um, and they, do, uh, they do a really big summer program that they call MCAP, which is Matani Katanti Apprenticeship Program. And it's for high school and middle school students who are interested in, in musical theater performance. And it's like a three-month intensive program that uh, ends with a cabaret that the kids create. Um, and so probably vocal music is the biggest piece of direct student education that we do at VTC. And then the second biggest thing would be when we go into high schools and perform Shakespeare for kids, that would be indirect, I guess, but, um, you know, kids watching performance, but getting kids performing vocal music would be the big one. Now I imagine, of course, as much as you enjoy theater and performances that you go to a lot of performances, uh, such as Bridgeport, or even, uh, you mentioned Josh Oldacre, he does church plays every year. Uh, do you ever see a talent on the stage and you're like, I gotta go meet that person and we gotta, we gotta get them in here with us to just hang out and create art together. I do. I, uh, so there's a lot of other hats that I wear as an offshoot of VTC. One of them is I am the executive director of an organization called the West Virginia theater association, Mm -hmm. which is just an organization that you know, unifies theater companies. Um, and as the executive director of that, what I try to do is I try to go and support, you know, as many companies and performances as I can. Predominantly, I try to go, uh, for the purpose you're talking about, I try to go see colleges and university plays um, uh, because we, you know, we're able to, to find people at, at colleges and universities um, and put them right to work with us. You know, one of the reasons that VTC has been successful and I know that this is true in so many uh, business ventures, but, you know, geography, geography, location, 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 right? So our headquarters, if you can call it that, the place where we uh, – I have an office and we have voice studios and we have a rehearsal room. The place where we gather the artists is in Clarksburg. Mm-hmm. So Clarksburg sits right there on the on the Route 5079X, right? It's, it's a really cool location. And if you think about our location – you know, to the north of us, you have Western University and Fairmont State University. To the south of us, you have West Virginia Wesleyan College, Glenville State College, and Davis and Elkins College. And then you also have Alderson Broadus, right? That's just, it's just a big circle. And right in the middle of that circle is VTC. And so uh, our Shakespeare troupe this year has performers and directors and designers who are professors and students at all of those hmm. institutions. And it's that that sort of feeds us, you know, and, and we sort of feed them by creating these opportunities, you know, for them to work outside of the college. But I go, I try to go to a lot of college shows and, uh, and meet the directors and the designers and the performers. I just know? went to, uh, it's a wonderful life over, was it this year? Yeah. I, th- I think it was either this year or 
last year for Christmas. Play? No, it was it was at the the CAC and W at WVU. Yeah, that was last year. This it was last this, year. This okay. holiday show was Charlie Brown. Okay. Last year was It's a Wonderful Life. But yeah. I I had a good. Time and that was that. a play with adults. You should have taken him, and he could have seen a play <laughs> with adults. I went with my parents because I like them. But <laughs> I I had a blast at that show because that's my favorite movie of all time, and. Of course, if they would like say one line just a little different than the movie, I'd be like, "Hold on a minute, can we rewind?" No, but uh, that's just the, the, that's the critic in me. I threw a tomato, just one. <laughs> but I no, I had a lot of fun at that play. It was cool to see it come to life and acted out by different people. Of course, I have it set in my mind because that movie's been out since I don't know forever, and I watch it probably a hundred times every year. But were you expecting Jimmy Stewart on the stage? I was indeed, actually. No, but no, <laughs> they did a great job. I, I had a lot of fun, and I didn't cry at all, I promise. So, so far we've talked a lot about performing. Mm-hmm. Um, have you or any of your other constituents that work with VTC, have they um, made their own plays yet? Yeah, wow, you're actually, you're hitting a sore spot for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of bad about that. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. That's good. It's good. We could talk about we could talk about this and 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 we'll work through it together. Um, you know, the company set out to find a way to unite teaching and performing artists. The big void that we have right now, the one group of people that we're not serving and we just haven't figured out how to serve properly are the playwrights, the people who are writing the plays. Now, we do have a guy, uh, Fairmont's own Steve McElroy, who is a part of it. He's like Mr. VTC, man. He he is a member of the Fools. He's a member of the Mechanicals, and he's a playwright. And um, we have a side hustle that helps pay the bills uh, where we do murder mysteries for uh, for people. And, and Steve writes the murder mysteries. So that's all original content. But... Um, there are a lot of talented playwrights in West Virginia, and it's the same situation eight years later now that it was when we started VTC. There's a lot of talented playwrights, but they're not organized, and so they're all sort of fighting for themselves, um, and we just haven't figured out a way. And maybe I'm not the right person to do it, and I haven't found the right person to help us do it, but we just haven't found a way to really bring those playwrights together to support themselves and get their work out there. But there's a guy in Wheeling named Jeremy Richter. There's a guy in Lewisburg named Eric Fritzius. There's Steve McElroy here in Fairmont. There's Jonathan Joy in the Huntington area, and I'm sure I'm leaving people out. But there's you know there's great people writing writing good stuff, and and we just uh, we just haven't gotten it all together. But uh, sorry, hold that thought. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I'll give you the one big thing that I am proud that we created. Now that we talked about the negative, here's the positive. Uh, we opened the company right about the time that uh, West Virginia was celebrating their sesquicentennial anniversary, which is their 150th birthday, right? So that would have been 2013, um, you know, 1863 to 2013. And I have a, a friend in Morgantown named R.J. Nestor. He'd be a great guy to have on your show, too, because he has a lot of a lot of things going on. Um and RJ is a is a playwright. He's also a composer. He writes music and musical theater, and he has a writing partner, David Scoville. And RJ and I were talking, approaching the sesquicentennial, and I said, listen, if we're going to be West Virginia's theater company, like if we're going to be the company that, that you know, rah-rahs West Virginia and works with West Virginia artists, then we have to uh, do something for the sesquicentennial. And he said, okay, let's write a play. <laughs> I said, 
all right, let's write a play. Now, I'm not a writer, right? So I don't understand what a feat that is. You know, I read scripts and I perform scripts, but I don't write them. So I don't understand really how hard that mountain is to climb. And so he and David went to work and they created this musical that is called uh, The Golden Horseshoe, or I think it's just Golden Horseshoe. I don't want to put a the in the title if it's not there. And we did a special uh, sort of stage reading initial preview performance of it on January the 20th, or I'm sorry, June the 20th, 2013, which was our 150th birthday. Um, and since then, David and RJ have taken that script that we, you know, sort of commissioned and create created together. They've turned it into its own nonprofit, Golden Horseshoe Inc. And every fall it tours West Virginia and is performed to as many eighth graders as they can get it in front of sort of as a way to get them excited and pumped up to take the golden horseshoe test. I took that test. There you <laughs> I, I, I had the highest score in my eighth grade class at Heritage Christian School, and then I went to take the actual test and failed miserably because there was a lot of uh, questions on the test that I was not prepared for, but... Maybe that's just my lack of preparation, or maybe it's my lousy teacher's fault, actually. No, I love my eighth grade teacher, but no, I took that golden horseshoe test, so I have history in that. See, and had you seen the musical, though, you might I have. Probably would have I yeah, probably yeah. would be a proud golden horseshoe owner like yeah. my dad. and You would have been a knight, the knight and the ladies of the golden horseshoe, that's yeah. what they're called. Yeah. My dad got one, and I, I honestly let him have down. no idea what we're talking about. All right, so in West Virginia, it's this big, <laughs> Did I, like, miss it's this this big deal. You know what? I, I don't remember doing it either. Uh, we went to the same school. <laughs> you take. I went to Heritage Christian School, so it was this big thing. You're in eighth grade. You study West Virginia history, and you take a test. And basically, if you score high enough on that test, the well, this is how my school did it. We, we were allowed to pick a certain percentage. I had a small class, so I was the only one chosen. And you go take the golden horseshoe test. And if you get a certain score on the golden horseshoe test, you are knighted, a knight of golden horseshoe, and you are pinned by the governor of the state. So, like, you got you like get to go to the so courthouse. Not, you get not a whole day off school. Takes it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Everyone remember. takes the initial test, is from my memory. At least that's the way we did it. But then the actual test is only the the few. So I was chosen, huh. but I. I did not succeed in my venture. Yeah, I don't remember this. Either. And that's actually what the musical is about. It's a really interesting about thing me? that RJ... No, not about <laughs> you. <laughs> but what RJ and David created was it's it's the story of this boy, Wes, who is getting ready to take his eighth grade golden horseshoe test. And he's nervous about it because his dad is a knight of the golden horseshoe and he doesn't want to let his dad down. This is about It me. is about you. <laughs> and, so, and so over the course of one night, his dad is trying to help him study. And then as he's trying to tell him these stories, there's these other actors that bring the story to life. You That's know, really and cool. it is a very cool piece, and I am really proud that we had a hand in creating it, and I'm really proud of what RJ and David have have done with it. You know, see, I I've always been very good with the story aspect, so I've been good at history and stuff like that. But they on the test, I remember specifically they would ask questions, political questions, not like would you vote for this or this, but who was. Uh, who was the governor between this year and this year? And that's just something I didn't study at all for. And they they would ask a lot of those questions. Who was the senator this year? I'm like, oh, Robert C. Birdie, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a good guess. <laughs> but that I remember there were a lot of questions on the test like that, and I just it hurt me. It hurt me bad. But the story aspect, I got it. 
I'm a Hatfields and McCoys guru. Or at least I was in eighth grade. So, the playwright mystery. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the big thing that I feel like we really haven't we really haven't totally achieved our goal because we're. Uh, that's a mystery that nobody has really solved until after they're dead. Most playwrights don't get famous till after they're dead. Well, the thing is, is playwrights are different than performers, uh, and I don't want you know I don't want to really. Th- uh, label people, you know, uh, grossly label big, big swaths of people. Uh, but, uh, they are, um, they're singular. They're, they're solo individuals that like to write, you know, by themselves in a, in a dark room with their cats, you know, or you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, and you know, performers are, you know, it's something we do in a big group and playwrights are a little more, uh, a little more isolated in their work. And so, um, that's not an excuse. It's just a way that we we differ. But it is really, it's one of the things that I think we could do a better job is is finding a way to really highlight. We we tried last year. I tried to to do this thing that I called a play a pie and a pint, uh, which is a thing I stole from this company over in England. And I thought, well, they're in England. They won't, you know, they'll never know. And that, but of course, now I'm on this top yeah. ten podcast, and so I'm screwed. And everybody's going to find out about this idea I stole from England. Uh, but it was called a play a pie and a pint, and the idea was we went up to a brewery in Bridgeport, Mountain State Brewing, and we did a reading of a play, and then everybody could you know order pizza and beer, hence the pie and the pint. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, and it just never it didn't take off. The first one didn't go well, and then I got busy doing. That's that's my problem is I get busy doing the other things, and that's why I say maybe I'm not the right person to do this. Somebody else needs to come on if you're listening. Somebody else needs to come <laughs> on to VTC and and help me do this. But even that simple act of like. You know, hey, you wrote a play, you want to – because once you write the play, then you got to get some feedback on it, right? You know, are the jokes going to land? Am I telling the story clearly? Because plays get written and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. Yeah. And so the first step is that first initial reading, which is why I think something like a play, a pie, and a pint uh, could be so beneficial to the playwrights. I just got to – I just – I got to find a way to wrangle it together, you know? So plays are written more like books then, not like TV shows or movies where – like a script normally has a whole bunch of different hands in it and there's like a you know a committee almost that creates it whereas with a book it's the author that writes it is so a play is kind of similar uh my, yeah my experience yeah yeah i see what you're saying about tvs and movies that there's there's a lot of hands in a it is really interesting with tv shows too because sometimes episodes will be written by different people. Totally different right. people. Yeah. The Walking you know? Dead is famous for doing that. They have a different director and writer for almost every episode. Yeah, and they have the showrunner who's kind of the boss, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's no, it's different in the theater world, I guess, uh, whereas there are, you know, there are playwrights who are writing plays and then the hands that get their hands on the plays come in the production of the plays. You know, once the play is written, then, then you have a director and designers and actors and all these people who are then gonna they'll put their they'll have their input and their part of it. But usually a playwright is is writing the play by themselves, trying to get it read by people, and then going back and editing it, and then trying to get it read and then editing it. Yeah, hmm. I never knew that. You know what? A truly extraordinary um, bit of TV show fact: uh, the last season of Game of Thrones, there were no screenwriters. Oh, it was just randomly generated <laughs> from a an AI. Oh, they just I don't in, believe that. Input everything in and it just happened that way. Yeah, it just it was like Google Translate. Oh. Yeah. It's like that's the way I felt about the last season of Lost. Uh you guys Lost fans, I felt I, like they I, I felt like they fan. wrote themselves into a corner 
and they couldn't get out of it, right? And then there was like the this the series ended, and you were like, "Wait a minute, I have a lot of questions <laughs> about stuff that happened a couple years ago that you haven't answered yet." <laughs> Lost is one of those shows where I'm like, "Gosh, Lost is such a like highly acclaimed show. I'm gonna sit down and watch it, and then I'll I'll bring it up on Netflix or wherever it is now, and I'll be like, "Holy crap." There's like 10,000 hours worth of show to watch here. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch it some other day and so I move on. I, I know I've said this before on this show. So if, if anybody out there actually listens to every single episode, um, you could just skip like five minutes forward from here. But <laughs> Dogs. Um, <laughs> no. So with Lost, I feel like as much uh, success and controversy as that show caused when it came out, I think that in today's TV culture, I think it would have done way better because Lost, one of its biggest struggles was back then, you know, you would have a season come out and it was like, you know, you had the episodes that would air in their time slots and you had to catch them then. And then, you know, that was it. You really didn't always get reruns. Yeah. If you didn't catch it and record it, like you couldn't go back and rewatch it. Um, and, we, you know, you got what, one season every year pretty much? If that. So you had all this time to analyze things and like pick out plot holes and, and really just, you know, dig into it pretty hard. But if it was released as like a Netflix series where they just dropped all four seasons at once and then people could sit and binge watch it, because that's how I watched the show. I watched the first season when it first came out, never watched past that. And then I went back and I rewatched it when it showed up on Netflix and I watched all the way through start to finish. And made a lot more sense because you don't have the time to sit and analyze 11 months in between each season of, you know, well, hold on, this happened. And no, it's like, you know, you just get to, yes, I'm still watching Netflix. <laughs> like, give me my next episode. I know it's seven hours later, but quit judging me. That's how I watched it too on Netflix. Actually, yeah. my wife and I, uh, we don't, we obviously with the work that we do, we don't have a lot of time uh, to like watch something on TV schedule, right? Mm -hmm, you know, yeah. I make time to watch sporting events and, and that's about it. But thanks to Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and Stars and all of you know the stuff <laughs> that you have, HBO, of your HBO, subscriptions, all of them, <laughs> right? Your ESPN Plus and, and uh, WWE Network, but th <laughs> YouTube TV, yeah. Thanks to uh, thanks to that, now we can you know consume on our own schedule. And so this was years ago. We decided, okay, this summer, over the summer, the course of the summer, we're going to watch all of Lost. And I actually, my OCD kicked in, and I actually like made a calendar to make sure we could do it, you know, Ooh. in a summer. And we had some days we had to watch two episodes, and some days we had, you know, but I made it, I mathed it you out. You made a lesson it. plan for I did. Lost. I actually <laughs> did. And I bet you if I, if I go back far enough on my iCal on my computer that I could find my Lost calendar. But that's how we watched it. We consumed it on Netflix and... And uh, I think that's maybe why the questions were so fresh to me at the end. I was like, wait a minute, wasn't there a smoke monster? What, <laughs> yeah. where, what happened to the smoke monster? I, my brother does that for the Arrowverse with Arrow and Flash and Supergirl and all those. He will watch all those shows, but he has a website that he goes to where they're in chronological order. So he'll bounce back and forth between all the shows just to make sure he's not behind. But now that there's 10 shows out in the Arrowverse... He's like six years behind on that. He's but overwhelmed. He is. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get everything caught up. But no, I think the last show that I watched all the way through is The Ranch, which is fantastic. I'm watching The Ranch right now. You are actually. Yep. Ooh, have you seen that? I have not. Okay, it's it's on my suggested for me. It's okay. like uh, it's like hillbilly that '70s show. Yeah, I but would. way more vulgar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. 
But that's that's the last With show. Sam, that I watched. Is it Sam Elliott on that? Sam Elliott's yeah. in it. Yeah. Okay. And Red. Oh, okay. Red, like a lot of people. So Fez, um, uh, Hyde, Ashton Kutcher, Ashton Kutcher, um, the mom and the dad, Red and um, I can't think of their names. They all have cameos in it somehow. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the mom's name, but the mom's in it. Um, I think that's all of the that that seventy show people so far that I've seen. Yeah, I think so. But no, that's the last show that I've watched. So I'm I'm not necessarily in show limbo right now, but I'm I'm in between shows. I, I just have a mirror. Have you watched Barry? I have not, but I, I've been getting hard pressed to watch Ozarks. Oh well. That's what it, you can't go wrong with either one of those. Okay, here's a good segue for me though, guys. Okay, do it. So bring us I, back. I'm no, no, no. Well, yeah, I'm gonna bring you back. So uh, I'm watching uh, Jack Ryan right now, which okay. I really love. It's over on it's, Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's very Prime. solid. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also watching The Witcher. Oh, okay. And I, and I have to take my time because the timelines confuse me. So I've really got to focus on The Witcher. But the reason that I'm in love with The Witcher is because uh, have have you guys seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, in episode six. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert. So one of the dragon hunters in episode six, the guy that's bald with the red beard. He's from... Uh, he's yeah, from yeah. West Virginia. He, he was, was the best man in my wedding. Really? really? He is my best friend in the whole world. He was the best man in my wedding. His name was Jeremy Crawford. He's, he's killer in that episode. Yes. He's Damn. from New Martinsville, and he went to Fairmont State University. That's where we met. And he's he's a dear, dear friend of mine. Lives in Canada now. And uh, and I am like taking my time through The Witcher just because I wanted to make sure that I was ready to see his work. And I just watched his episode a couple days ago. I actually just messaged him recently because I I mean I've seen him every time I see him in a commercial or I, I heard he was in The Witcher. I I haven't watched The Witcher yet. I want to watch it. But he was the assistant soccer coach for a season when Ian McCara was, was yeah. he your coach. Yeah. yeah, he was my coach, and uh, we went to Wheeling Park. And for halftime, we went to the locker room, and he said, if we beat Wheeling Park, uh, I'm going to do something special for you guys. I don't know what. And Michael Gruber said, I want you to sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So he stood on the bench above really? our... That's yeah. all. That's all he could come up with? Gruber? I don't, I don't know. not very creative for him. <laughs> See, this is all foggy for me. This is like 16 years ago, but I just remember very vividly, actually little Jeremy Crawford standing on the bench above our soccer team in a high falsetto voice singing Twinkle Twinkle <laughs> Little Star in the most dramatic fashion. He had motions. He acted the whole thing out. And it was it was probably the highlight of my soccer career. So before he became famous Jeremy Crawford in The Witcher, uh, he was the best man in my wedding. Uh, and he also appeared in the second play that Vintage Theater Company ever produced, which was... Uh, which was called To Kill a Kelpie. And, uh, and, and he was in that play with a guy named Bruce McGlumphy. Yeah. And so now, so w- I, really, we launched his career, yeah. basically. He um, has to thank you for it, all this. And, and, and I remind him of that, you know, as, <laughs> as, as much as I can. That's awesome, though, that you can say, look, if, you're, if someone's try, trying to join you or if they're on the fence or whatever, you can say, look at what we did for Jeremy Crawford. And I mean, of course, Jeremy Crawford has to do the work himself. But you say that we we but then provided you can just take the credit. For yeah, all of we it. provided him the opportunity, and look where he's taken it. And now he's on a worldwide television show, and he's a well-known actor. And so that's that's something cool that you can kind of say, hey, our VTC stamp is on that career, even though 
he's in Canada now, but that's that's cool. He started right here in West Virginia. I'm thinking about on our next audition posters, I'm thinking about just saying, would you like to meet Henry Cavill? <laughs> you know, and then... Yeah, that's, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant marketing strategy. <laughs> if you could get somebody into a movie with Margot Robbie, though, your recruiting might go way up. I don't know. Henry Henry Cavill's a handsome man. That's actually facts right there. And he's like he a really big, is. he's a big time nerd too. Well, big time like muscles too. Did you know that he almost missed his audition for Superman because he was in a WoW raid? I did not know that. And they had wiped, and he wanted to take down the boss before he went to his audition. That's, so he was almost late. That's that sounds like the perfect person to play Superman now. Like mm-hmm. he understands Superman. I don't like a, a, someone Mom, that's like you guys like, are literally speaking a language that said, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what I don't half of the things you just said I don't know what they mean. <laughs> no, it's okay. But half the things I said I don't I don't know what they mean either. But that's So who's your favorite superhero? <laughs> oh wow. Uh Followed by your favorite supervillain. Oh, man. These are all... Okay. Uh, I guess I'm not... Am I not uh, enough? I mean, I'm a huge superhero movie fan. Mm-hmm. I've never read a comic book. I've never read a comic book. That's but I, fine. I'm a huge like Marvel Cinematic Universe. I did all that. Uh, so my favorite supervillain, let's talk about them first. Uh, I was a big fan of Ultron. Mm-hmm. I thought he was. I thought he Wait, was really the cool. movie Ultron. Yeah, the bad guy. Uh, just, just the character. I really yeah. like James Spader, and I thought the idea of this sort of like self-aware, sarcastic robot was just very, very cool. But also, the uh, the bad is his name Kilgore, the guy that um, in the Black Panther movie that's played by. Uh, oh. Yeah, I think it's Kilgore or Killmonger. Or Killmonger. Something. Yeah, yeah. It's the guy that's the guy that did Gollum, right? Uh, Am I thinking of the, the same guy? The guy who played Creed. What is his name? Michael uh, B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. He plays the oh, bad no. guy in the Black Panther movie, and he's he's crazy big and intimidating in that yeah. film. So i i liked I like both of those guys, but my favorite superhero would probably have to be Ant Man. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. an because uh, my wife would be really upset with me if I didn't say Ant Man because she's a huge Paul Rudd fan. But Ant Man is is uh, he's he's my favorite. That's that's great. Can do no wrong. I like that you started with the villains though because there are no heroes without villains, and that's that's always when I watch a movie. If the villain sucks, then I just can't get into it. But, True. Yeah. When I was a, when I was a kid, I loved Batman. Yeah. Batman was big when I was a kid. That's when Jack Nicholson was the Joker. You know that yeah. that the Michael Keaton. the Michael Keaton Batman. You need a good antagonist. The, the campy Batman. Yeah. So those were cool. But but now uh, in my thirties uh, and after the Marvel Cinematic Universe has come through, I anytime I can get some Ant Man, I it makes me smile. Yeah. Actually joined an ant colony on Facebook, <laughs> but no, we won't go into that because I could talk, talk about, about hours. But I'm in an ant colony. You can join it too if you'd like, but it's all for the queen. You don't have to be an ant to be in an ant colony? It's a group called a group of people that it, pretend to be ants in an ant colony. It's like a role-playing <laughs> ant Sarcastic colony on humor, Facebook. But it's fantastic. Fantastic. Did you hear me? Get it? Okay. <laughs> I'll pass. Okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> Our group chats have severely gone downhill since they joined this ant colony because I just constantly get messages about the queen and the colony and 
I don't I don't know. I'm not in it, so I No, it's fine. We we we're getting way off topic. Hi. This is what we do. I know. I'm I'm losing. It my... is interesting where we started and where we are right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is always how it goes. I was surprised actually because I think we stayed on topic for a long time. Like we talked we talked almost exclusively about you This and, is an interesting your, topic business though. for a while. Like I'm proud of us. We did a good job. We're I... normally like way less on track. Well, you're captivating is what he's saying. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the performance. Yeah. The performance aspect. I don't know what to do from here. We should wrap. Okay. <laughs> Tell people how they can find We've got We've gone you. so far down the road. <laughs> we should just quit. That it's either, yeah, turn back or quit. Nah, let's, let's, let's pull the plug. <laughs> but, yeah, let people know where they can find you, whether it's on social media or where they can audition or sure. anything. So we used to have a website. And then it uh, it got hacked, and it was advertising Russian brides. Ooh. I know. Uh, so I crashed it, and we're in the process of rebuilding another website, which I think is going to be cooler. Uh, it'll have less Russian brides on it, but it'll be cooler. <laughs> so right now, uh, right now, the best way to get a hold of us is on social media, especially on Facebook. We have really active uh, Facebook pages for the Vintage Theater Company, which is the Umbrella Group, you know, and then we have Facebook pages for the Fearless Fools, for uh, the Rustic Mechanicals, for Montani Cantanti. You know, every every little uh, every troop has its own Facebook page, but the the Vintage Theater Company would be the one you want to go to, and then we can get you to all the others. Yeah, cool. We mentioned the uh, the upcoming Shakespeare tour. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to hit on? Yeah, the Fearless Fools have a really active February. We've got, uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but we have uh, four shows left to do this month of February. But then at the end of March, the one big thing that I would encourage people to get on Facebook and learn about is the Fools host the West Virginia Comedy Festival every, uh, as close to April 1st as they can get because that's our birthday. Um, And so the end of March, the last weekend in March is the West Virginia Comedy Festival. It's coming up in Buchanan, West Virginia. It is the sixth year for the comedy festival and so uh vintage theater company fearless fools western comedy festival search any of those things on facebook and you'll find the pages that's the next big big thing we have coming up and then after that we go right into our first statewide shakespeare tour in april with anthony and cleopatra and then it's it's just non-stop to the end of the year you have to have me come back and talk about the second half of the year yeah and marvel movies yeah, we'll be, we'll be more prepared. And sports movies. You guys sports movies fans? I'm I a am huge a sports, sports movie What's fan. your favorite sports movie? Oh, jeez, man. You're, you're uh, <laughs> underrated. I'm going to say underrated and not one that people would probably put on the top of their list. I, I, I'm not a fan of the sport. I, never, I don't watch the sport, but I love the movie Miracle. Uh, yes. About the 80s hockey team. That's a great And I don't movie. know anything about hockey, but I love that film. We need to get just a whole podcast about sports movies i'll tell you one to watch and i'm not gonna be able to remember the name of it right now but it has um matt damon steve carell oh no and he plays a wrestling coach yes the story it's something fox like fox is in the name of it i think oh no it's not oh man i know what you're talking about but it's about the olympic team and the terrible thing that happened yes yeah but Kurt Angle was on that team, mm-hmm. so I know all about that. Cause yeah, he's great movie, though. Very emotional performance from Steve Carell. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All right, cool. <laughs> Family- 
I thought we were talking about happy sports movies like <laughs> Field of Dreams or Remember the Titans, but here I, we are. I don't know that I've seen a whole lot of sports movies, I'll be honest. Oh, yeah. Angels in the Outfield? <laughs> rookie? So. Rookie of the Year? Rookie. No, I don't think so. Oh Longest Yard? Yeah, I saw that one. Moneyball? Moneyball? Rudy? Uh, Rudy. Hoosiers? No. Nope. Oh, what's the one with... The one, uh, I've seen the one with Charlie Sheen where trouble he's a with pitcher. Major League. Major yeah, League. there you go. Trouble with the Curve. Oh, that's a romance. That's a rom com yeah. sports movie. Yeah, they had uh, Clint Eastwood in it. Oh, uh, Amy Adams, Rachel yeah. McAdams, one of them. Some one of those Adams. They look. Oh, wait, is he like a baseball coach? He's yeah. a baseball uh, scout. It's losing his sight. And Justin Timberlake is in that film. Yes, he is. Oh, man, I don't think I've seen that one, but uh, I'm pretty sure I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. There's, of course, the Air Bud movies. Well, I mean, I've seen those. <laughs> She's the man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Joanna Man. I don't know if I saw that. Uh, Dodgeball. Dodge, yeah. Dodge sea Biscuit. Dodge. Ricky Bobby. Ooh. Very good. Days of Thunder. Oh, yeah. Days Tropic of Thunder. Thunder. Tropic Thunder. No, not a sports Tropic movie. Thunder, not a sports movie. What's the one <laughs> with Jackie Moon in it? That's the one I'm trying oh, to. Oh, man. Uh, the, tro- it's the, the team is called The Tropics. Yeah, that's why. You're talking about. Um, yeah, Will Ferrell is a basketball player. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that's why I said Tropic Thunder, but that's. that's We've taken another exit again. We have. <laughs> We have to reel this in. Thanks for listening to our episode this week. <laughs> if you have any sports movies that we may have forgotten, put them on the VTC Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can talk about them there. Or, yeah. Also, check out the description for links to all the podcasts and pages. Yeah, that too. Thanks for coming. This was really yeah, fun. Thanks this for was fantastic, in. guys. Thanks for having me. Cut